Georgia's DBHDD has an urgent health warning. One of every 10 counterfeit pills contain fentanyl, a powerful and very deadly drug. Pills from friends or dealers are unsafe, and one pill can cause an overdose. More info at opioidresponse.info. From Georgia Public Broadcasting, this is On Second Thought. I'm Virginia Prescott. Georgia power customers likely know that the expansion project at Plant Vogel is billions over budget and years behind schedule. The state's largest utility is building two nuclear reactors at the facility south of Augusta. It is a massive project, the only nuclear power project under construction in the country. This week, Georgia Public Service Commissioners have been meeting to discuss a required update on the project. Stephen Bigalski is here to talk with us about that update and what it means. He chairs Georgia Tech's Nuclear and Radiological Engineering Program. Stephen, welcome. Thank you. Georgia Power regularly submits a report of the project to the PSC, the Public Service Commission, which regulates utilities. So all the dates pretty close to the ones given a year ago. But the reactors were supposed to be finished in April of 2017. Now, we know there are so many factors in something like this as to why this project is so far behind schedule. But let's start with one of the mitigating factors, the bankruptcy of Westinghouse Electric. Why did that matter? Whenever you have the primary designer of a facility going bankrupt, the result will likely be the some delays and some gaps in what you can do to push things forward. It's a real shame that it happened, but I think that Southern Company really stepped up and was able to take the leadership role and is currently pushing things forward. Southern Company is the parent company of Georgia Power. Georgia Power has hired Bechtel to finish the project. That is one of those massive construction companies, which has and continues to struggle to find skilled laborers. Okay, so that accounts for the business and labor sides of the delay. But how about the actual technology, the engineering work? Did the plans for the project match capacity? There's lots of lessons learned here. Uh, first off, at the time of licensing and this time of the initial start of construction, the plans were not in final form. There were revisions that were made during the construction, A, to finalize, but also B, to adjust for different types of construction methods, etc. All these type of things could be assumed in a first build within the United States. I should mention that the same exact reactor types are being built in China, of which the first two of those were completed within this last year. Mm -hmm. So although there are 7,000 workers currently working out on site, 800 permanent jobs available once the units do begin operating. So this is a huge job producing project, certainly. But now we have Georgia Power's newest report to the Public Service Commission does not mention additional cost overruns. But already the project slated to cost about $14 billion in 2008 has almost doubled costs over the past decade. To what would you attribute that? There are many things that were in play that just weren't in control. I will tell you that within big engineering projects like this, overruns of both cost and schedule are not uncommon. That's not an excuse. But it is something that we recognize within engineering that does happen with such things. However, I do see that as a result of this last report, it gives confidence to the updates that Southern Company provided in the fall with what the updated schedule and budget would be. And it sounds to me that you have a lot of confidence in this. I have no skin in the game with regard to uh, whether or not it's on time or not. I would like to see it. But what it comes down to it is, is that I, just the signals that are coming out, it doesn't seem to be 
uh, continually escalating at this point. Well, there has been a mixed bag this spring, certainly in February. A Fulton County judge granted class action status to a long-running lawsuit against Georgia Power, accusing Georgia Power of inflating fees to cover these massive cost overruns opening the floodgates, really, for 2.5 million customers to file suit. But on the other hand, in March, the Trump administration, number of officials came down and committed $1.67 billion in additional loan guarantees. When it starts overrunning, there's this cost to completion calculation. You know, Mm -hmm. this is how much it's cost. This is how much it's going to cost to compete. Where do you think we are in that process? The plant has progressed significantly. So we're at a point where I would have confidence that the people building it should have a good idea of what it takes to get to completion. I believe that the designs are in place. So, and since the plants had been built and same design had been built in China, I think that we understand where things need to go. So there is confidence there. I'll also say the current government administration is very much so behind this build. Mm -hmm. And I think things are heading in the right direction for that facility. Is there transparency, I guess, for somebody who is looking from the outside, trying to understand why these cost overruns have happened and what the real budget is? So I think at a 10,000 foot level, there is transparency. But obviously, the details of financial analysis and detailed return on an investment assessments really haven't been as well published, and I haven't seen them. Despite all the conversations about uh, Chinese officials or companies stealing American ingenuity and innovation and technology, has there been any sharing of the project or processes? I believe there is sharing going back and forth, but to be honest, I'm not privy to exactly what those communications are. Public service commissioners are reviewing this last report from Mm -hmm. Plant Vogel. Where do you think it's going from here? Well, I think that the plan is to go forward. I do think that we're looking at on the order of one and a half to two more years to complete the project. And at that point, hopefully we'll have the first unit up and operating. And about a year later, the second unit would follow. Uh, From that, we would start with initial operation and hopefully up to 60 years worth of power production from those facilities. Well, this is something that you study. This is something, you know, you're a professor. You talk to your students about this. If you were in charge of this project as a professor, how would you have done it differently? Well, 2020 hindsight is cheap. <laughs> what I would do with the 2020 hindsight is likely uh, have taken things a little bit slower, not maybe as aggressive with the understanding that such big projects do have delays. I think that concentrating on one facility to make sure it's done right, on time, on budget, with a realistic estimate to start with, would be the way to go. Steve Bogalski, Nuclear and Radiological Engineering and Medical Physics Program Chair at Georgia Tech, talking about Georgia Power's newest update on Plant Vogel. Stay with us for a broader look at nuclear power after the break. We're back with On Second Thought from GPB. I'm Virginia Prescott. Georgia's Public Service Commission has been meeting this week. In part, it's considering the future of Plant Vogel. It's a project to build two nuclear reactors there, which is years behind schedule, billions of dollars over budget, and commissioners require Georgia Power to submit an update on the project by this week. Steve Bogalski is here to talk us through the update and really talk now about nuclear power in general. He chairs Georgia Tech's Nuclear and Radiological Engineering Program. 
So I'd love to understand a little bit better because nuclear power has gone through a, a number of different iterations in terms of popularity, in t- terms of fear. Some people do fear it. Others, even lifelong environmentalists who may not have been for it, are now behind nuclear power. And of course, we saw the effects of the Fukushima disaster in Japan back in 2011 and the much deadlier Chernobyl accident in 1986. In fact, HBO has just launched a new series about that one. Chernobyl is on fire. And every atom of uranium is like a bullet, penetrating everything in its path. Metal, concrete, flesh. Now Chernobyl holds over three trillion of these bullets. Some of them will not stop firing for 50,000 years. Well, there you go. Uh, We've talked, of course, about cost overruns at Plant Vogel. What do you say to people who just don't want a nuclear power plant sitting in between Georgia's largest cities? What I would respond with is that study after study has shown that nuclear power is the safest electrical production method that we currently have. There's no question about that. In addition, in a world where we're concerned with the carbon economy, nuclear power also is our biggest producer of carbon-free electricity. So I understand that there are fears, but I would argue that those fears are irrational. But their leaders of the Democratic Party created a Green New Deal, as you know, earlier this year, aimed at curbing the greenhouse gases contributing to climate change. It includes nuclear energy. But notes on the plan indicate its inclusion was a point of debate, and I'd love to talk through whether it is indeed a green energy source. So how much nuclear waste is generated from this kind of power plant and the scale at Plant Vogel? So scale, if we want to talk about size, the current estimate is that through more than a half a century of nuclear power operation within the United States, where we produce roughly 20% of the United States electricity, produces enough nuclear waste that would fill a football field roughly about 20 feet tall. So the volume really isn't that considerable. In fact, most of this is stored on site at all the nuclear power plants across the country right now. Well, let's contrast nuclear energy to solar power or wind farms, for example. So why would a listener want to live near radioactive materials if solar or wind power were an option? Primarily, it's sustainability and scalability. So I would actually argue for a diverse energy portfolio, of which you would have many sources, including wind and solar. However, we have seen, even across our current grid, that relying too much on unstable electricity sources leads to instability of the grid, which means that you don't have the lights come on in the morning and your alarm clock that you were waiting to come off on the morning doesn't go on. So are solar and wind less reliable than nuclear power? You do not have 24 hours a day of sunlight and you do not have 24 hours a day of wind. Right. Uh, And the forecasts for such things are also as reliable as your weather forecast is for next weekend. So we're talking about nuclear waste sticking around for tens of thousands of years. So how about greenhouse gases? How long do they stick around in the atmosphere? Well, greenhouse gases are chemically stable, especially if we look at CO2. And when we look at the whole cycle of CO2 within the world, we do see that there are 
absorption of CO2 within the ocean, and then that recycles back out. So there is an exchange process there. And of course, we also look at uh, how CO2 is processed by plants to produce oxygen. So the idea isn't that it goes away, but it does affect the overall balance of CO2 in these greenhouse gases within the atmosphere. And there really isn't a significant removal mechanism for it that we're aware of right now. Love to look at the scale for a moment because one of the things about the project at Plant Vogel is it is massive, uh, as we have noted. And I've seen proposals for smaller nuclear reactor sites along the grid rather than these big plants long stretches apart. And of course, this is the only one being built at the moment, but there are others that are active in the United States. What do you think about that option of the sort of, let's say, micro reactor, for lack of a better term? I think largely what you're referring to would be more what is called the small modular reactors, Mm -hmm. and where we're basically building things at one-tenth of the scale of particularly what Vogel would be. And I think a lot of the experts are heading in that direction as well, in the sense that we're getting to a point where we can 3D print reactors. Oak Ridge can 3D print nuclear fuel. To be able to limit ourselves to manufacturing methods of the past would be a mistake. Duke Energy was working on the nation's only other nuclear expansion project, and that has been delayed indefinitely. So what do you think the future is of nuclear power here in the U.S.? Well, first, I do think that nuclear power will maintain 20% of the electrical supply within the United States for years to come. I do see expansion coming through much more advanced reactor designs. Currently, what's in place across the United States right now are reactor designs based on really 50-year-old technology. Hmm. We've come significantly in the last half a century to understand safety of nuclear power plants. And I do see that this next generation that could be coming into play in the next decade or two uh, is the future. Stephen Bogalski, Nuclear Engineering Program Chair at Georgia Tech. Thank you so much for speaking with us. At a time when information continues to come at us faster and faster, sometimes you need to hit pause and rewind. NPR's Throughline takes you back in time to the source of the news stories filling your feed. Find NPR's Throughline wherever you get your podcasts.